It's up 5.63% from its low point in June. Uh, it's down 12.62% from this time last year. And it's up 35.27% from three years ago. Wait a minute. You just said it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. What? Isn't that a perfect description of the market? Absolutely. And when people say, <laughs> is the market up or down? I'm like, well, how long yes. have you been paying attention? If you've been paying attention a long time, it's really up. If you just started paying attention, it's down. There you go. <laughs> Once more onto the breach, dear friends. He'll spill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach starring Jake and Jeff McClure, where we are known to sometimes appropriately say our names at the same time. There, we're done for the week and we should go home. Nope, we've got disclosures before we leave. First disclosure, we are bald, both of us, bearded, bald people. I know... If that didn't scare you away and cause you to change the channel immediately, bear with us. We're going to bore you with more disclosures. Uh, The name of this program is not coincidentally also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm called The Personal Wealth Coach. The people talking on this radio program are the principals of that firm. What does it mean to be registered with the SEC? Um, It means that they are the ones that get us in trouble if we do something bad. It doesn't mean that they have given us any kind of approval or pats on the head, bald heads, by the way. Uh, and just because we're registered with them as at the firm level to give investment advice, we can't do that on the radio. Fiduciary investment advice requires us to know you. I know, that's really weird. And actually give you advice based on your circumstance. It also requires us to keep some level of privacy with that advice. So the act of broadcasting, it kind of shoots that in uh, below the whole line, if you know what I mean. So this is not advice. It is education. Why do we do this? I'm not sure. Partial insanity, possibly. Um, but, but we do. So we're giving you, hopefully, some education. We will take that mud and possibly turn it into muddy water so that you may be able to hear blues music? No, sorry, wrong muddy water. Uh, you may possibly have slightly better, better understanding of the world of finance. You want to deem for us? Well, the information that we present on this educational radio program has been it. obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. However, however, we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. However, we will warranty and guarantee that unsaid information is incomplete. Mm, are you sure? Yes. Oh, very nice. Oh, very nice. I warranty and guarantee that. Oh, yes. And we, if you we wish one, to contact us. One more disclosure we have to add okay. here. We don't pay for this radio program. That's right. This is not paid commercial programming. We also are not paid for this program. We have been doing this. He's been doing Older Baldy has been doing this since 1997 which is significantly longer than I have in Younger Baldy here. I've been doing it since 1998. So he has a good 8 to 12 months advantage on me on the radio program. Uh, But Mm. combined, can we combine that? 
combined I experience. Was 90, on the... I think it was 96, but I may be wrong. Okay, so you might be 18 months ahead of me on that. Probably. That's uh, about right. Man, I'm never going to catch up. No, that's not combined experience. Because <laughs> we could have, you know, half a century or more of combined experience right, I... here. I've always considered such claims to be false and deceptive and manipulative. Yes. Combined experience when you're experiencing the same thing is not, not cumulative. There we go. Right. That's a good statement. Non-cumulative combined experience. Right. Well, prices may be higher or lower when sold than when purchased. Uh-huh. Do you ever purchase a price? Yes. Okay. Uh, when, the, when the price is right. Mm. So what happened this week? The stock market performed unpleasantly as a matter of fact i loved one of the headlines worst performance by the s&p 500 since june oh june, well, we got, june, june. july get, august that's two and a half yeah you, worst you, performance in a couple of months yeah we have we don't have to have a very long tape measure for this particular measurement here okay mm -hmm. it's, this is it was, the very worst that we've experienced all day yeah, that's makes a good headline. Be. It's a good headline. Yeah, I can see. Well, considering that the news cycle, which used to run was twenty four hour news cycle, which was big with the cable news, and it was a w once a week. The news cycle used to run a week, and before mm -hmm. that, it ran a month. And now I think it runs ten seconds. The whole yeah. the news cycle then yeah. starts they, all over. They again. go really fast, so nobody can understand it. But they can all get worked up because they say words like worst and uh, impossible and destructive. Very and severe and violence and okay. Yeah, anyway, whoa, whoa, this is horrible. I want to keep listening. We're back. We're back to a one-week news cycle in the market. It was a rough week. Um, the S and P five hundred uh, dropped four point seven seven percent. It closed at thirty-eight seventy-three point three three. I remember I saw the headline go by. S and P five hundred drops below thirty-nine hundred. Is this the beginning of the crash? No. Um, well, it was. It was, the be <laughs> it, was, it was the beginning of a very, I mean, a crash that lasted that long. It may last longer. Is it the it beginning of a crash? What, what is a crash? It was horrific because it dropped, the technical guy said it dropped below 3,900, which is a resistance level, which meant that it was going to plunge to 3,000 or something, which it didn't, of course, it but didn't. nobody pays any attention to the fact that they were wrong. Anyway, it was down, it's Wait now down 19. We just paid attention what? to it. Oh, we did. You and I just um, recognized that but we're sometimes. Nobody. We count as nobody um the the market anyway wound up at like i said at 30 the stock market represented by the standard poor's 500 stock index affectionately known as spx is at 3873.33 when it closed on friday it's down about 19.2 percent from its high back in january it's up 5.63 percent from its low point in june uh it's down 12.62 percent from this time last year and it's up 35.27 percent three years ago wait a minute you just said it's up it's down it's up it's down what isn't that a perfect description of the market absolutely and when people say <laughs> is the market up or down i'm like well how yes. long have you been paying attention if you've been paying attention a long time it's really up if you just started paying attention it's down there you go <laughs> Um, I must admit that I have an emotional reaction to a stock market that falls 4.77% in a week. And it's not a pleasant emotional reaction because I once was a stockbroker, but it really, I like Morningstar's comment on it. At the beginning of the month, they said in their opinion, and I think Morningstar's opinion is certainly worth listening to, um, the market was, was seriously undervalued at the beginning of the month and it's lower now, which Tells me a lot. 
It's under the uh, undervalue. Yeah, it's it's under undervalued. Uh, the perhaps the most impressive thing, and this is something to put it in perspective. You wrote this in the newsletter. Those of you who have really, really, really long memories and are really old can remember all the way back to 2020. Wait a minute. Um, Let me get the book out. I got it. This is before the internet, right? 2020. Oh, that was no. I know. There we go. Okay, I found. No, it. it's the one that the song was about. Anyway, <laughs> um, in the year. Anyway, yeah. If you if you go all the way back to 2020 in March, and you measure the return of the Standard Poor's 500 stock index from mid March, it's up 73 percent. Well, mid March was the month that we all realized that this weird letter number combination thing that might make your nose run might actually kill you and mm -hmm. we all shut down right so, so having yeah. it up 70 plus percent since then is uh, reasonable but it's also up from where it was before it started down and and why, why am i saying all this there's a tendency if you are invested in the stock market and you read the news media publications or watch above all if you watch television um, particularly the news channels, to way overreact to movements, short-term movements in the market. It's a very important thing to say, to know and get clearly in your mind whether you are a speculator or an investor. Um, traders are speculators. Buy it and watch what happens, and if it, if it goes the wrong way, sell it immediately. That is, watch is where the word speculate comes from. And if you're an investor... yes. Spectate. By definition, spectacle. you you are a long-term investor or you're not an investor. Long-term, the shortest definition of long-term I have ever heard is three years. And 10 years is probably a better definition. Um, and if you look at where the stock market is today versus where it was even three years ago when the economy was doing quite well, you have to conclude that the market is up. And it's really, in my opinion, a good idea to keep that, that minimum uh, time period. If, if we have a client, for example, that anticipates needing money in three years, a significant amount of money, we start to get very conservative in many ways, and at least with that portion of the portfolio. Why? Because three years is such a short period of time in the market. So the angst involved in moment-to-moment -moment market movements is something that I realize you have if you follow these things. It's something I realize that, that I have, but it's something I think we always need to fight. Anyway, back to the market. The stated reason for the fall this week in the publications, every publication I read. Yeah, all the headlines said this. Was that the trailing one-year consumer price index number came in only slightly lower than last month. Which It was at 8.3 rather than 8.5, and before that it was at 8.7. And since the but consumer a, price index wait, is going was, down. There was a consensus among economists that said instead of 8.1, it would be 8.0. It was 8.3. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It was going to be 8.0 instead of 8.3. So mm -hmm. it was right. down from 8.5 to 8.3, right. but it wasn't at 8.0. So we had a massive drop in the market. That's what everybody's talking about. Right. Not, not necessarily true, but that was what people were saying. Right. Apparently, at least according to the reporting. And then you um, add FedEx on top of it, as that's also well, been FedEx in the headlines. was the big thing. And they said since FedEx reported fewer packages being delivered and they were going to shut down airplanes and lay people off, they said, oh, no, FedEx represents the entire economy. Panic, run, run for the door. 
No, nah, it doesn't work that way. We, anyway, we, we have to read deeper, and reading deeper is not that deeper. difficult. We we'll get to it. Go ahead. But it takes time. Anyway, so let's go on. They, we also follow another index, the CRSP mid cap value index. Why do we call it? Because value is something. Mid cap value is a, is an asset class that we like a lot and we pay a lot of attention to. It did drop four point eight eight percent for the week. It's down at twenty two ninety four point two nine. It's down eleven point six six from its high in January, and it's down five point nine seven percent from a year ago. And it's notable to note, notable to note. I like that that smaller stocks historically have been more volatile than larger stocks except right now the smaller stocks in the in the mid cap value side are less volatile and there's a lot of reason for that but that would take an entire show anyway benchmark us treasury 10 year note yield that's the one that all the rest of them seem to reference the yield rose 4.3% to 3.455% yay for the week i guess um, the two-year yield is at 3.85. What that means is the yield curve is inverted. Uh, it is decidedly negative. Um, why is the yield curve negative an important thing to be talking about? And the answer to that directly is that shorter-term yields being higher than longer-term yields. This is like if you went to the bank to get a mortgage and they charged you more on the, uh, gave you a higher interest rate for a 10-year mortgage than a 30-year mortgage. That's backwards because you're put, they're mm-hmm. risking their money for 30 years at a low interest rate and don't want to risk their 10-year money because so they're charging a higher interest rate. Um, that, the shorter-term periods are where corporations get short-term loans to do expansions, to hire new people, or to buy equipment and so on. And so when it's inverted, that kind of expansion slows down drastically. Businesses don't buy as much new equipment. This is the, this is the concept behind it anyway. It, it isn't always laid out that way, but this is, that's the concept. So back to you. Mm-hmm. You're back. Well, the, in, a, in severe recessions that I've seen in the past, and this is certainly the, the academics have looked at this and written volumes about it, but here's the point. We really don't have enough yield curve measured recessions in our history to get a meaningful sample. We just haven't been measuring it that long. And the end result is that the inverted yield curve may indicate a recession is coming and it may not. But in but in the major recessions that I have personally seen, and this is very subjective, the entire yield curve goes negative. Yeah. And we've and never we are, we've never had that. we've never had a recession without a negative yield curve. But we've had negative yield curves without recessions. That's right. So it's like an SAT question there, but yeah, follow along. Anyway, so it's it's out there, and that's all I can say. West and- Texas Intermediate Crude Oil um, prices were stable; they didn't go up. They didn't actually move less than one percent during the week. Eighty-five dollars and twenty-seven cents per barrel. Now, it, it's important. That's it's important to note the price of oil because. Inflation has tended to follow the price. Well, we're going to get into that later in the in the program. Um, but there's another thing I want to mention before we leave markets. Bonds are supposedly reliable, historically, rule of thumb, reliable alternative to stocks so that if you mix your stocks and bonds, you have a relatively smooth ride. I heard that for many years from many people. The Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index is down about 15% this year. 
Let me say that again. It's down about 15% this year. The Go back to the mid-cap value index, which is stocks, down 11.66% this year. In other words, the bond market as a whole, measured by the Bloomberg aggregate bond index, is actually down more than large portions of the stock market. Okay, well, if you don't go to bonds and you don't go to stocks, you ought to go to gold, right? Well, gold is down about 18% from its high in March. So gold is down 18% from its high. The Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index is down 15%. And stocks, if you're looking at the S&P 500, is down 192 If you're looking at mid-cap value, it's down 11.66. If your portfolio is down at this point, don't feel like you made bad choices. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any difference where you invested. It's probably down. And somebody could respond, yeah, well, I invested in houses. Well, the problem is houses aren't very liquid. Well, except when the creek floods, um, then they get very liquid. And there's another term for them when they're really, really not liquid is when they're underwater. Right. Because you owe more on them than they're worth. And I it wasn't that long ago in my memory that that was a pretty normal thing coming out of the global (laughs) financial crisis. Um, so people are saying, well, I'm in real estate and it's good. Well, how have you tried selling recently? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, the prices are coming down on real estate too. And matter of fact, some of the headlines that we didn't talk too much about is how, uh, the prices of housing are starting to fall, but you can't see that very quickly because it's not a liquid bid auction market that's reported every day, but the prices of housing in many places are starting to come down correct? rather than go up and they're coming down rather quickly, which is understandable because Mortgage rates mortgage are above rates six. Are above six percent, and that is a huge increase over the two point something percent mortgage rates you could get a year ago, and raises the payments on houses dramatically. I suspect we're going to see a minor crisis in the real estate market and before I'll, too long. I'll throw in some market data on real estate here. Purchase applications are down 20% year over year. This is from Bloomberg. Um, The housing inventory, which is one of the things that we watch to see um, whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market. And when there's not a lot of inventory out there, it's definitely a seller's market. They get to say what they want to sell it for because the people that are in the market don't have a lot of choices. Back in January across the country, we had 2.1 months of inventory. That means houses on average moved in a 2.1 month cycle, and that was everything on the market in a given moment. It's doubled that to 4.1 now. There are now four months of sales on the market versus two months of sales on the market, which means that it's becoming more and more of a buyer's market. Now, there's a lot more room for that to grow. The inventories can get bigger, and people are putting their houses on the market faster than they did last year because they're seeing the prices start to peter off at the top and maybe start to drop. And they say, I've been waiting, and I've been waiting, and now I need to get out before. That's usually when they really drop. It's when people rush in and say, I need to sell, I need to sell. That's the definition of a buyer's market. Okay, back to you. Well, we can move on to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, otherwise affectionately known by its friends and neighbors as BLS. Um, I like to drop the L off occasionally just for the fun the of BS? it. The BS? Yes. They're, they're BS. not that, but it's it's still fun to, to do occasionally. Well, yeah, well, BLS, I like BLS. Mm-hmm. BLS. Anyway, the Consumer Price Index 
dash U. By the way, when they say the CPI, there are a host of CPIs, and the ones that they actually report are the C are, are the, the dash U, which is for urban workers. Yes, rural people have aren't reported on. Anyway, he was up 8.3% from a year ago. Okay. What does that mean? Not much because we had a burst of inflation earlier this year that peaked in June. Now, I want to say this very carefully. Even the core CPI for one year is up 6.3%, and that is big compared with with recent history. But here's the key thing. The inflation for July and August was effectively, according to the CPI, zero. So prices did not rise in July and they, month, uh, right. average prices. Let, let's, let's, let's cover that just a second. You know, we just said that it was up over 8%. That's from a year before mm-hmm. you compare just from one month to the next, there was no movement, which means we're not experiencing further inflation this month than we did last month. Okay, go ahead. And if you actually look at the average, there's another report that they came up, okay, come out with actually as part of a big report. Uh, the average cost of living CPI in cities across the United States, if you just look at that, it was zero in July and zero in August rise in the cost of living. Now, did individual things rise in there and other things fall? Yes. And admittedly, the reason it was zero is because the price of gasoline and fuel in general, they refer to that as energy, and for that matter, electricity, dropped 7% and 10% respectively in those months. So they say, well, inflation is still there because the stuff that's not fuel went up. Well, yeah, but let's back up and look at that. The price of fuel and energy, let's call that energy in general, went up dramatically before the price of everything else went up. Why does that happen? Because there is an energy component in the price of literally everything you buy because it has to be moved from somewhere to where you are And it has to be made by somebody using something that consumes energy or fuel, in other words, or electricity. So there is a noticeable lag that often runs about three months and sometimes longer between the time the price of fuel levels off or falls back, which it does, it goes up and down, and the time you start seeing that reflected in stuff. Now, there's another thing I want to hit here, if I can ramble on a little longer, Jake. Sure. there's another leading indicator when it comes to inflation that it really is there's two of them that need to be watched if you if you're concerned about what you think inflation is going to do. One of them is the producer price index. The producer price index for August was a negative 0.1%. It's the prices are coming down at the producer that's wholesale level. The pre, it's actually the producer price index for final demand, which means just before it's given to a retailer, what's the price what are the prices doing? And they are coming down. Then look at a little further upstream, imports. We import a lot of stuff. If you don't believe we import a lot of stuff, go to Walmart. If you go to Walmart where they used to proclaim that made in the USA, they they wouldn't carry anything that wasn't made in the USA. Now, if you go, they probably ought to have a sign up that says we don't carry anything that's not made in China. But if you look at the, the prices, you look in Walmart, you can see we buy a lot of stuff from overseas. We buy a tremendous amount of stuff. And as a result, the price of stuff, which is an economics term we use for goods, um, because if, I don't like the term goods because the opposite would be bads. Um, the goods that come in from overseas, which we call stuff, dropped significantly. Import 
Prices are, have been falling now for 27 weeks. Now, what does that mean? That means upstream prices are coming down. We're seeing what is affectionately known by economics economists as disinflation. I have never, by the way, understood the difference between deflation and disinflation, I'll, but apparently I'll what we're getting what now is disinflation. Yeah. What is it? Uh, when the average is positive, but you're experiencing less inflation, so you you have an average inflation, but it's less than what it was before, that's disinflation. When you well, have well, a I'm, negative inflation rate, that's deflation, where it well, goes negative but, numbers like across on an average. That, I, that's what we've been seeing. We've been seeing prices falling, going down. You know, you're shaking your head. No. Yeah. We're, our, our growth in inflation is falling. No. So we went. The actual, no, the actual growth in inflation not falling on these prices. They're actually, it's not a matter of they're inflating less. In other words, they cost less this month than they did right, last month right. than they did the month before. Sure, and you're talking about an individual product, and I'm talking about a large average of the entirety. That's what I'm saying is that our CPI is still up, but it's less up than it was because of disinflationary influences on certain parts of it. Well, that's what I'm, what I'm saying is that the producer price index isn't up less. It's now down. The... Um, for, for two months sure. and the uh the import prices are now down for 27 weeks they've been right. falling for 27 weeks which sounds to me like those are deflationary yeah it, it is if if the entire nation was experiencing those price prices across the entire of everything that would be deflation right but those pieces the in it imports uh, are down are, the prices are down on imports so you would think that's deflation but when you throw it into the mix with everything else that we buy it's just disinflation which okay. is really goofy because right. it doesn't i mean we don't have a word for it on the other end i got so you if you're in deflation you don't have dis deflation i know that I, when it's the just prices... silly words that somebody wanted to put into an academic paper and get credit for it I know when those prices upstream went up, they called it inflationary. And now that it's coming down, they call it disinflationary, but Correct. not deflation. And that's guess what's it. Anyway, yeah. what I'm trying to say here is that prices upstream in the supply chain are coming down. And they're coming down nicely. And this would indicate to me that we may have seen the end of high inflation. Now it's going to, have to be a year from now before we see looking back one year what happened and say, "Wow, we didn't have any inflation over the last year, so inflation numbers are way way down." Well, and I'll give but, you a little bit of Schadenfreude here so that yeah, it's no fun having inflation up in the 8% year over year. Even though we've got right. month to month very little inflation, it's still a year ago. Everybody feels it. It's not gone. All right. Argentina have you seen any of the news on Argentina? They're raising their interest rates to 75%. Oh, yeah, I saw that. This is the short-term rates at the banks where they pay, you know, like when our Federal Reserve, we're talking about getting it up around in the 3% march. They're at 75% because their inflation rate is at 80% or 79%. Um, that is uh, uh, the worse than here, to put it lightly. Um, European countries are experiencing nine plus percent across the entirety of the EU, and I believe the UK is at 13%. So, yeah, our low 8% number is looking better. 
I can actually top Argentina. Oh, really? Yeah, what, Turkey. Turkey's 80, yeah. <laughs> 80.2%. Their August inflation rate was 80.2%. So they're, they now, are 0.5% higher in Turkey than in Argentina. They're 79% Argentina? It's 79 point something. They're, they just yeah, raised so. their interest rates to 75%, which isn't going to cool. stop inflation as long as interest rates are below. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. So, and then they're expecting 20% inflation rate in the United Kingdom. Yeah. In England. For the, for so. the coming future. Yes. So it feels better knowing that now. I, I've always wondered why it is, you know, oh man, I broke my leg. Well, some people have their legs amputated. Well, that doesn't make me feel better that somebody, thank you for telling me that, I guess. But I guess we can point at somebody else feeling things worse than us and say, well, at least we're the best worst going on out there. Least worst. Least worst. I yeah. like I like that too. Now, now I prefer bratwurst, but the bratwurst yes. inflation rate is rather high in the EU right now. So, yeah. Microsoft Word wanted me to put least bad, but I decided to put least worse when I write. That makes sense. I like that. You can have the least worse. It's the extreme of the extreme in the opposite extreme. And we're about out of time. This is the Personal Wealth Coach with Jeff and Jake McClure. Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually give individually, uh, individually crafted and customized advice based on what people are trying to achieve. That's generally and portfolio for, management and portfolio management, and that's generally for people with higher net worths. But we make exceptions occasionally, um, and so you can contact us locally. Voicemail available during the weekend, but actual real live people no phone tree during the week at. 254-947-1111. You can reach that line tool-free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. And I think it's important to note that we're an independent fiduciary firm. We don't work for a corporation. We only work for our clients. Right. Exactly. Uh, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. There's a contact form. You can use emails, Jeff or Jake at tpwc.com. There are... Uh, recordings of the radio program going back years, newsletters going back decades, uh, and you can find us wherever podcasts are given. Um, thank you very much for listening on a nice Saturday morning. And until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.